You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post every single show every day. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. It is the Monday after the divisional playoff round. Obviously, the Packers season has long since ended, and so very little for us to take from this for our purposes, other than to say... Uh, I, I do think there there is something worth taking from what we saw from Sean McVay because there were questions about what he would look like last year. He disappointed a little bit in round one when they lost to the Falcons. And then in this game, they scored 30, and I felt like they could have scored 50. There was, there was a lot of conservative game calls, even if the play calls were aggressive. And if there's one thing that I think is really important for Matt LaFleur it is that he should be both an aggressive play caller and an aggressive game caller. No field goals inside the 10. No, you know, if they're going to if they're gonna keep a fourth and one rather than push you back 10 yards and let you try uh, a third and 11 or whatever it is, then you should make them pay and go for it on fourth and one or fourth and two in plus territory. That kind of stuff, that just a long term, you have to be able to manage those things. And you look at someone like Doug Peterson – they they take those risks. They they make those gambles, and that's why they were in a situation where they were they, they had a chance to repeat as champions, which hasn't happened since the Patriots. So uh, you know that is that is a a sort of uh, broader picture lesson that I think Green Bay should be paying close attention to, and you you hope uh, if you're Matt Lafleur that that you can learn some of those lessons in a broader sort of way now. I want to start today with the OC discussion. We're going to get to a little bit further. Pete Doherty wrote a really great piece for Packers News about demeanor. And there was a lot made, a lot of armchair psychologizing about Matt LaFleur's introductory press conference, his temperament, his demeanor. You know, he's not a big, loud guy. He's not a big guy, full stop. He's like 5'10", 175, 180. And so can he command the respect of those guys in the locker room? And there are a lot of people that have a lot of takes on this, and a lot of them are lazy based on the fact that they don't know much about Matt LaFleur or based on the fact that they think he is just meant to be a Sean McVay clone. We don't have to rehash those ridiculous arguments. But Doherty talked to some coaches in the league who had some thoughts on this, and I think it's really insightful for our purposes to share those thoughts. So we're going to talk about that as well, but let's start with the discussion around the offensive coordinator. And last week, I gave you two names: Mike McDaniel and Mike Lafleur. It comes out over the last week or so uh, that the Packers intended to pursue 
either or both of these coaches, and Kyle Shanahan said, sorry, stop. And they have the right to do that. So any coach, and, and I've had some questions about this, so I want to make this clear here. Any head coach, and Mike McCarthy had done this in the past, can block a coordinator or a position coach from interviewing for another job, any job, unless that job is a head coach job. Now, generally speaking, what you try and balance as the head coach is if they're up for a promotion, and and generally speaking, a considerable promotion, then you let them take that opportunity. Mike McCarthy has talked often about wanting his guys to have opportunities to be offensive coordinators, to be head coaches. And so he did block some some interviews, but he also allowed some coaches to leave. Obviously, he could not have blocked Joe Philbin from going to Miami, for example. So on this list, they have Mike McDaniel and Mike LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan because they would be, we assume they were OC interviews that the Packers were, were looking to make here. Well, Kyle Shanahan can say, I don't think for you that's a big enough step up. You're not calling plays. LaFleur is going to do that. Matt, in the case of the, the brothers LaFleur, which is coming to Netflix soon, I'm sure. And that was the reason that, that Sean McVay also blocked Zach Taylor interviewing the quarterback's coach at the Rams, interviewing for OC jobs where he was not going to get a chance to call plays. The Packers called on that. Right now, it looks like Zach Taylor is going to be the next head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, promoted straight from quarterback's coach. You want to talk about trying to find the next McVay, that's it. Not what the Packers did. But more to the point here, McVay let Matt LaFleur go to the Titans to be the offensive coordinator there, despite the fact that he held the same title in LA specifically because he was going to call plays. And McVay wanted to give LaFleur that opportunity because it could lead to a head coaching opportunity. And that is important. The fact that Green Bay, their OC job, is not a play caller matters here and could potentially harm their ability to find a coach that wants to do it. And so that has led us to two big interviews so far, Todd Monken and Nathaniel Hackett. Todd Monken was the OC. We talked about him a little bit last week in Tampa Bay. I felt like that would have been a very interesting situation for the Packers to bring him in. He, he comes from a, a college background mostly, has a lot of background in the in a true air raid offense in the Big 12 and then at Southern Miss, and then created a ton of big plays with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is signed by the Browns, so he is their new offensive coordinator. And I understand the initial reaction to offer frustration if you're a Packers fan, especially if you're someone who liked this hire. Green Bay themselves, as a franchise, was someone who who felt like Todd Monken was the close second to Matt LaFleur to come in and be the head coach. And so for him to get an OC job opportunity, you know, I think there are reasons why if you're Monken, you would want to go in a different direction. First of all, it's awkward that you interviewed for a head coaching job and now you're being offered an OC job. That's actually what happened with Matt LaFleur as well in Tennessee. But more to the point, I think, Monken is going to an offense in Cleveland that is much closer to his roots, much closer to the bones of the kind of offense he wants to run. There is 
synergy there. There wasn't in Green Bay. So if you're frustrated, I understand that. And you say, well, why didn't the Packers do this? Why didn't the Packers do that? Well, it's not just up to the Packers. Monken has say in all of this as well. So you, you can't simply criticize the organization for not making a hire when the person being potentially hired has to say yes. And I think from a continuity standpoint, it makes a lot more sense for Monken to go to a place like Cleveland. And we're actually, um, I, I think there's enough connection now between the two Jeff and I, the, the, the host of Lockdown Browns, we're going to do a crossover episode this week and talk about the, the coaching hires and the different situations because I think Cleveland and Green Bay were often compared this offseason. The coaching opportunities, we'll, we'll do some debate. I know that he likes Freddie Kitchens a little bit more than I do, probably a lot more than I do as a head coaching hire. So I think we'll have a discussion about that. But back to our purposes here, that leaves only Nathaniel Hackett. And you say, okay, well, how is a guy who was fired by Jacksonville a good coach to come in for the Packers? And the answer is is complicated, but also the reality is he had Blake Bortles, and that was always going to hamstring his ability to be a successful offensive coordinator. But if you go back to last year, in the second half of the season in particular, he found some things that worked with Blake Bortles and they were winning games with Blake doing Blake things, making throws and, and, and Hackett had them beating the Patriots on the road in Foxborough in the AFC championship game. And I know that there were some jokes about the, the fact that the Jaguars might've just run out of plays. And I think that might be true in some ways that they felt like they had this package of plays that they thought could work and they made it work. And I think you should focus more on the fact that they were able to get to that point than the fact that they weren't able to push any further because to get Blake Bortles to play his best football is a Herculean task in and of itself. And speaking of working with quarterbacks, when you look at these two names, Hackett and Monken, even though Monken is not going to be the, the coordinator, Matt LaFleur initially wanted a Shanahan disciple here. But getting someone like Hackett or Monken would be a addition of ideas. And that is a potentially useful strategy in this case because Matt LaFleur comes in with an idea of how to do things. But he also seems like the kind of coach that is willing to accept and wants to accept new ideas. So you bring in a coach that does not have the same sort of ideas as you, that doesn't have the same sort of background as you about how offenses work. And they may have solutions to problems that you hadn't even thought of yet because their offense builds in those solutions. So, I mean, I think someone like Hackett or Monken and or a name that we haven't even talked about yet could be considered specifically because Matt LaFleur thinks this way about the game. And that brings me to John DeFilippo because he's a coach who comes from the Andy Reid tree He's not getting love as a offensive coordinator right now. So could he come in and give you quarterback coach reps? Can he parlay those quarterback opportunities coaching your quarterback? He's still a very smart coach. Is that maybe the best opportunity for him to get a head coaching job? And could you in a year or two just sort of steal those years and maximize your offense while also diversifying it? 
But if you bring in someone like John DeFilippo and, and you ease that transition with some concepts that Rodgers is already familiar with from the Andy Reid West Coast structure that Mike McCarthy also comes from, you give your quarterback the best opportunity to ease into this offense and it allows you to make sure your offense stays diversified because you can only push that one scheme so far. You look at Andy Reid and what the Chiefs have done, they continue to find ways to push that scheme forward because they're not afraid to incorporate from other styles of offense. So why not start with some different coaches from other styles of offense? Continuity is important, but so is the diversity of ideas. And they can't be so afraid of too many cooks and too many egos to be worried about that. But here's what we know for sure. If Nathaniel Hackett is the OC, for example, and whoever the quarterback's coach is, the run game is going to be similar. Outside zone with this team has is, is been a bread and butter play for McCarthy for a long time. But the passing game and the formations, everything about this offense is going to look different in 2019 compared to what we saw in 2018 and, frankly, for the last decade. So there have been a lot of discussions about Matt LaFleur personality-wise. And I understand the the caution because he's not a big personality. And so you, you sort of sit there wondering, how was he so impressive in that interview? And I think here's the reality. He's a football coach. And you hear him talk, and he's, he's mild-mannered. He's not braggadocious. He's not this, this swaggering, young, hotshot coach. He's not Rex Ryan. He's not Josh McDaniels. But he is a football guy. Played the position. He is a competitor. We've heard stories about him getting after Marcus Mariota. No one yells at Marcus Mariota. Matt LaFleur did. He is a competitor. And there are plenty of, I mean, I've talked to a bunch of them, football coaches who, if they were just to talk to you, you'd never know that when they step on the field, they are crazy people. They are wildly competitive and they want to rip the throats out of their opponents. He strikes me as the kind of guy who in a room with football people, Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, those are football people. Russ Ball fancies himself a football person, even if he is also holding the purse strings when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. He is the kind of guy who is going to impress those kinds of people. He can talk scheme with you all day. He thinks the game in a unique way. And he can analyze the game intellectually in a unique way. And that, above all else, is why Matt LaFleur was brought in to be the Packers' head coach, to find ways to re-engage Aaron Rodgers, to stimulate him in a football intellectual sort of way and to get this team thinking in a new kind of way. And it's not just, um, you know, to, to get the neurons firing. The Packers organizationally want to combat complacency and they felt like the intellectual approach. At a certain point, you tune a teacher out in class. You just feel like they don't have anything else left to teach me. They don't have any other tricks to keep me engaged. So you just sort of tune them out. But if you can get someone who comes in, who you respect, who you can understand, who gives you this information in a way that makes it engaging and and easy to understand and digest, then that can have significant benefits 
for, for you as a player, but also reflects well on your coach. And so I think some of the, the conversations around his personality is a little bit overblown because here's what ultimately matters. Success. And I'm going to read you some of these quotes from this Pete Doherty story called How Low-Key Matt LaFleur Can Win Over the Packers Locker Room. But ultimately, what these are going to tell you is simple. If Matt LaFleur has success, if he can communicate with his players in a meaningful way, and what he is trying to show them and teach them is successful on the field, they will buy in. That is is all that matters when you're a coach. Get your players to buy in and get them in a position to succeed. Well, how do you get them in a position to succeed? How do you how do you prove to them that that's what you're doing when you give them an instruction? They have to see it. They have to succeed. They it, it, it's it's too hard to visualize these things. Football is not esoteric. It is not this sort of nebulous concept. A play is is designed to work a certain type of way. A defensive scheme is designed to work a certain type of way. If it doesn't, it's hard for a player to say, well, this is how it's all supposed to work, and I like the way it's supposed to work. That's all well and good, but if it never works, it's really hard to continue to listen to that particular coach tell you this is the way it all should work. You start to lose faith in that guy. And I think that's what happened with the Packers and Mike McCarthy. But let me read you some of these quotes from coaches who have been through this and have seen different kinds of coaching personalities. This first quote, this isn't the SEC where you have to come across as this fast-talking, high-energy salesman to get your players to commit to you. If you come across as being a real person and someone who's going to treat their players like men, someone who's grounded, you can capture them. This is, we, we can think of college coaches who are like this. The used car salesman, the charismatic coach who goes into the locker room and sits down with the family. Grandma and grandpa are there, mom and dad, aunts and uncles, cousins. They sit down and they say, son, Alabama is the place for you. Son, Ohio State is the place where I'm going to make sure you get everything that you need. That's not what you have to do in the NFL. In the NFL, it's about saying, here's what, here's how I'm going to help your career. Here's how I'm going to make you successful as a professional. This is the leader of men's stuff is over. You're, this is a job now. So put me in a position to succeed and I will follow you. You still want your players to respect your coach and, and want to be led by that coach. But ultimately, all they care about is being put in a position to succeed. Because if you give them opportunities to succeed, chances are enough of them are going to take those opportunities, or at least they're going to see those opportunities are out there for them. And they're going to respect the person putting them in those positions. Here's another one. If a guy's low-key, he's got to be a thinker. He's got to be, how do I move the chess pieces? He cannot be low-key and not have a plan. What is this coach really saying here? If he's going to be quiet, he has to be successful. So the, the inverse of this, we think of the, the loud and boisterous, unsuccessful coach. That can work in the short term because you can have a cult of personality. You can have a charismatic coach come in and say, here's what we're going to do. And you get everyone to buy in. And the first year, you suck. 
the players can stay bought in because they trust and believe in this person. I think Rex Ryan is a great example. So if you're low-key, if you're Matt LaFleur, there's just more pressure on you to succeed. Great example, James Campen, no longer the Packers offensive line coach. He is now an assistant head coach in Cleveland, where apparently all of the former Packers or Packers coaches or potential coaches are currently uh, working to win football games. Malafleur allowed Campen to leave. That is a problem for someone like David Bakhtiari, who likes that coach, who grew up playing in the NFL for that coach. David Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley, Lane Taylor, Brian Bulaga, all these dudes. James Campen is their guy. Well, it doesn't matter if the guy you bring in resonates with those players, but you've ramped up the pressure on yourself, if you're Matt LaFleur, to be successful, to do this in a way that maybe is a little bit harder. And I'm sure he views this as an opportunity to bring in his own guy. And and that sets this team up to be tested. And and what the Packers are going to have to do is find some success here. Matt LaFleur specifically is going to have to find success because that is what is required here. And and this is this is the money quote. I was first told when I came to the league by an old coach, as long as players think you can make them play better and help them play longer, they'll always be in your corner. That was true then, and it's true now. If you do that, you have captured them mind, body, and spirit. So what do the Packers have to do? They've got to win. And, and not, just, not just win, really. That's maybe a little bit of an oversimplification or at least takes it a little bit too far. What the Packers have to do is have success, offensively especially. One of the great things Sean McVay does is not just as a schemer of the game, it's as a, as a communicator. He's able to explain to everyone on the offense, this is why this is what we do. Not just this is, this is what we're going to do, and I'm a dictator, so this is what we do. No, this is what we do, and this is why we do it. This is why it's important. These are why these pieces fit together. And Matt LaFleur knows those things. It's why he wants to bring in really smart people like Mike McDaniel to to help him teach it. But in order for the players, the players are going to buy in because that's just what you do when you have a new coach. The, The players were clearly sick of the old coach. So you get a new coach, you're excited, you, you think, okay, this is going to be a new offense, this is going to be great for me, and so I'm, I'm going to buy in. But it's like a new relationship. That excitement you feel when you like someone and you start to date, you want it to work. No one wants to be lonely, no one wants to be you know, out there trying to find somebody, you want to have somebody. You want to come home to somebody. So you give it every opportunity to succeed at first. If you don't have success, if it's not working, if you're not enjoying it, you're going to check out. You're not going to want to be in that relationship anymore. And and in a romantic relationship, you can just break up. But in the NFL, it doesn't work like that. So what they have to do, Matt LaFleur has to get these players to do more than just buy in at first because they're going to do that. You need to teach them why this makes sense. They need to know it innately, intuitively. They need to know this is the best thing for us. This is how it has to look. And then they need to see themselves succeed. So what does this all come down to? Doesn't matter, big or small, loud or soft, red or green. 
if the Packers have success, the players are going to buy into the coach. It, it, it is really that fundamental. How can Matt LaFleur, his personality, be a good coach? The answer is be a good coach, and the players are not going to matter. So it, it feels a little bit like circular logic, and it is. But what it comes down to is if you have success and you treat your players well, no one cares if you're loud or soft. doesn't matter because you're having success. And ultimately, as a player or as a coach, that is how you're judged. All right. Uh, having some, some technical problems with the show today, and I apologize um, for any of the uh, audio issues if you're if you're noticing them, um, I'm, I'm working on it and trying to get it worked out. Uh, so hopefully for the rest of the week, we will have all of that stuff ironed out. We're going to have a crossover show with the guys at Locked on Browns because there's so much overlap with the Packers and the Browns right now. It really is ridiculous. So we'll get to that uh, and, and a lot more discussions. The Packers are narrowing their search for a special teams coach. They are probably going to interview some more candidates uh, for offensive coordinator, if not hire Nathaniel Hackett. So we'll have that to talk about and a whole lot more. So uh, you need to make sure you're subscribed to the show and make sure you have a friend. This is Make a Friend Monday. Get someone to subscribe to the show. Let them know that you like this thing we do here, the Locked On Packers thing. So get them on board. Let's grow this community. Subscribe. And, and one of the best ways, leave a review on iTunes. Let someone else see it, and they can be your new friend because this is a community here. Let's grow that community. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You'll find us on iTunes, on Spotify. If you have a smart speaker, hey, Alexa, play Locked on Packers. Okay, Google, play Locked on Packers. And we're going to have a whole mailbag show this week, so send me your questions. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to get to? Who do you want to hear from? All of that. Hit me up, 920-341-3775, and let me know what's got you excited this offseason to stay locked on Packers. Mm-hmm.